Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hardcore Gamers Show, a show for gamers made by gamers. I'm your hardcore host, Vincent. It's Sunday, October 24th, 2021, and with me today is Michael Myers Koval. Ah! <laughs> you scared me. <laughs> and uh, Nathan the Living Dead Ludol. They did the monster mash. They did. Uh, that was supposed to be Night of the Living Dead. If you didn't get that uh, joke, uh, please close the episode. Just kidding. Uh, I'm really glad you're joining us for this spooky Game Club episode for October 2021. Uh, listeners, each month we play a new game, gather our thoughts and yours, and vote to decide if the game can win our hardcore seal of approval in our Game Club episode airing at the end of each and every month. This month... We played the 2019 release by Remedy Entertainment, Control. Um, yeah, this game. Uh, I like kind of can't even figure out how to describe it genre-wise. Like, is God Simulator far off from the truth? <laughs> uh, you could call it that, I, I suppose. Yeah, we played the God Simulator Control. <laughs> uh, remember, you can play along with us by subscribing on the podcast service of your choice, and you can get in on our Game Club discussion by sending an email to hgzgameclub at gmail.com. I'm really looking forward to talking about this game. I had a ton of fun. But first, uh, I want to get things started with our hardcore playlist. And uh, Michael, what have you been playing? What's on your playlist? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, Vince. Uh, I've been continuing in my adventure in Tales of Arise. Um, getting a little bit further into it, uh, slowly but surely. It is a, a big old JRPG, uh, but I think I'm in the fourth region now. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. The combat in this game is a, a total joy. Um, and Vince, I know you're you're playing it too uh, mm -hmm. now. Um, and I know we didn't uh, get super in-depth talking about uh, the combat before, but um, I'm just having a lot of fun with how active it is uh, and how many, uh, how many things it gives you to do. Because um, you've got your regular attacks, uh, and then you've got a number of special attacks for the character that you're controlling. And you can call on basically anyone that's in your party, whether they're in your party, uh, main active four-person party or even your backup party characters uh, can be called into combat to do a special move. And then um, when you you can build up a combo on uh, a certain enemy, if you're all attacking one enemy and build up a combo on them, you can do sort of a special finisher all-out attack. Mm. And it's all super stylish. Um, just a ton of fun. It's keeping me going through the whole thing. It's that I think makes the experience well worth it. Well, Michael, you didn't even mention the fact that on top of those finishers for comboing on a single enemy, uh, you also have like true like super finishers that just straight up end a uh, creature's life. Um, <laughs> that is right. Yeah, there's even more that I didn't mention. Yeah, you have uh, combat points. You have basically a boost gauge, which is like a limit meter. And then on top of that, you can over limit, which sends like all of your uh, attacks and specials like free of combo point usage, which is like like mana and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can basically just cast stuff for free and then end it with a super finisher like 
this game just makes the JRPG so much more active. Yeah, and I think that's um, that kind of characterizes the entire game throughout is like just giving you more and more stuff to do. Um, like Vince messaged me and was like, "What the heck? There's like farming. You take yeah. care of farm animals in this game as well." Um, because that's another feature that unlocks for you, but not immediately. Bro, you know, sign it, me it, up. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> that honestly, I've been on the edge, but you know, hearing that, yeah, I'm here for it. Oh, and yeah. I, I messaged him back and was like, "Just wait, you know, all of those like spots that you've been passing that look like they're fishing spots. It's because they're fishing spots. You get a fishing rod later <laughs> and unlock unlock the fishing mini game." Um, that was the best news I had ever heard. <laughs> Just like, yes, it does have a fishing mini game. So there really is a lot to do. Um, so I've been I've been enjoying my time with that one and looking forward to uh, many more hours. I guess I don't know exactly how long it takes, um, but I want to make sure that I get to talk about the other title that I've been playing because I'm really excited about it. Oh yeah. Um, and this one just came out on the 21st. It's Resident Evil 4 VR edition. I can't uh, believe how much they keep making this game. Like they keep remaking it. But it's very different now. I think this one's really exciting. Um it's it's very it's a very different version of Resident Evil 4. Um I'm playing it on my Oculus Quest 2, right? And uh it was uh, redone for VR by Armature Studio. Um, they've done a couple of uh, other uh, sort of ports and remaster type work, um, and now they've released uh, RE4 VR, and I'm having a blast with it so far. One of the kind of coolest uh, differences is, first of all, everything's in first-person VR, which is, you know, obviously the experience that you're looking for going into VR. But then uh, something that's so different. Um, from standard RE4 is you can move and shoot at the same time now, and you can uh, you can be holding your gun in one hand uh, and then actually pull out your knife with your offhand, which also opens up new possibilities for combat um, where you're able to uh, shoot. And if you've played it, you know you know certain shots like to the leg or a straight shot to the head will kind of stagger zombies and then you can run up maybe slice a few with your knife and run back because you've got so much so much maneuverability and uh, flexibility now um kind of opening the game up into you know virtual reality more i guess you would say realistic you know in real life you could do one-handed knife and mm -hmm. one-handed gun um so it's really cool you know it's the it's the classic re experience but um, everything's way more personal and kind of opened up. This sounds like the kind of video game I would have dreamed of when I like thought about a virtual reality game back in like elementary school or middle school. This sounds yeah. like the kind of like fully formed idea of Resident Evil, right? Yeah, and I think that's um, that's something that's kind of so cool about it. Is like I don't know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like VR that is like one cool idea, you know, and then they try to make a game out of that. And there's a lot of these smaller titles like that. Um, but I think it's really exciting to see a game like RE4 
ported kind of into VR, and they've done an impressive job, you know, making it work that way. Um, but it's uh, a full-on like, game experience. You know, Resident Evil Four is a full game, and uh, instead of trying to think of a something new that is kind of just one gimmick. Like, what if we could be in Resident Evil 4? And that's what the VR version is. And so far, it's great. Um, like I mentioned, I'm really impressed with the port. Um, yeah. I'd be interested in checking that out because I tried playing Resident Evil 4 for the first time a few months back. And I, like... Graphics never really bother me for, like, old games. I'm usually mm-hmm. pretty forgiving of that. Sometimes mechanics can kind of get in the way, I think. Most of all, and I was having issue with like the tank controls. I know yeah. that's like what a lot of people online talked about. Like that's the hardest part about trying to play through that game, especially just in the modern context of things. So I'd be more interested in checking out the VR version because it sounds like they kind of do away with a lot of that. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned, you know that's kind of a, the big interesting thing about the combat is uh, you can you know fully move uh, with a stick in one of your hands uh, and look any direction and uh, really are holding and aiming and operating the gun uh, just with your other hand. So uh, gone are those tank controls, you know, you can move around as much as you like, duck and dodge uh, on your own. Um, and then, of course, it replicates the, sh- the, uh, the best version of the game, which is the Wii version, which has the full motion aiming and shooting. Uh, and doing that in VR is kind of the next step up. Um, so it's even better. Uh, I can't wait to get back to it. I've never heard somebody support the motion controls of the Wii more than you. And I'm I'm here for it. it. <laughs> ask people, everybody that played the Wii version of RE4 knows that was the version to play. Um, I don't know about motion controls in a lot of other games, but the pointing and shooting, like, that actually worked. That worked pretty well with the Wii. I imagine if you had the uh, Lynx crossbow training attachment for um, RE4 on the Wii, it would be so much fun because then you yeah. could like actually use one of the Nintendo <laughs> accessories and uh, not let it gather dust. Listeners, I am sitting next to a dusty Ring Fit Adventure uh, <laughs> controller. Um, for some reason, they didn't come out with the uh, the handgun uh, peripheral <laughs> for the for the switch. I can't believe it, or for the Wii. Well, both. Um, <laughs> Nathan, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you got on your list? Yeah, so I recently downloaded um, this game called Pumpkin Jack, which uh, was developed by a small indie studio. It's a 3D platformer in like the same vein as like the old school like kind of ps2 era uh platformers but it's you are playing as a jack-o'-lantern possessed by an evil spirit put forth by the devil to thwart a magician's plot so yeah it's as convoluted mm-hmm. as it sounds but it's a lot no, of fun no, you're de- you're describing my everyday yes i am a <laughs> possessed jack-o'-lantern yeah you're just like jumping and slicing through like all these kind of cartoony very halloween-esque levels um it's been a lot of fun very interesting now is this kind of like a uh hat in time ukulele type uh 3d platformer yeah i would uh, something akin to that i would even like push it more like close to like almost like jack and daxter kind of 
Like, Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, just the way, like, the controls feel and, like, how you, like, take on enemies. And, like, some of the, like, mini games you do are, like, there's a, there's a cart mini game. Of course there is, because every, you know, new 3D platformer trying to emulate old schools, like, let's put a cart uh, mini game in here. Cart racer. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so we're doing the cart mini games in there, and there's like just like a lot of little challenges. But yeah, it reminded me a lot of like Jack and Daxter and kind of Spyro ish in that vein, sort of. Are you uh, waiting for Pumpkin Jack X Racing? I will be the first in line to get it. Uh, sounds like fun supporting indie games in our local scene. Um, and a 3D platformer. I mean, you, you've been sort of enjoying platformers recently, right? I know uh, in our personal lives, you push us to play uh, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. Have you been uh, feeling an itch for platformers, or are you just, like, trying out a new game? I love platformers in general. <laughs> like, I, I honestly... So I, I try to, like, fit squeeze in, like, a platform game every couple months just because, like, that's, like... That's my genre, like whether it's like 2D, like kind of Donkey Kong style or like 3D platformers, like akin to like Mario or something. But yeah, I don't know. Um, now that you mentioned it, I'll probably just like go play Ukulele Impossible Lair <laughs> now. Thanks for that. Now I know my next game. Hey, no problem. Actually, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. And this is a pretty decent segue because I didn't even put this on my playlist, but this week I had the itch, I had the lust, I decided to pick up Celeste again and uh, start from the beginning. I love this game. It is so much fun. It's so hard. It makes me so upset sometimes, but I just always think about like the first time after you do one of those teleports, the first thing you see is Madeline saying like, you can do this. So I always return to that mentality and it always just pushes me to like try to clear like one more screen and one more screen and grab that strawberry like, you know, for fun. It's never a chore to play Celeste. Did you ever, I know they released extra content for it, um, like an after story. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, you're gonna have to let me know how that is because I've been wanting to check that out too. Uh, I can't because I'm literally not good enough to, <laughs> to get to where the extra content is. Yeah, uh, it, and I, I remember when that dropped and I like came in to take a peek uh, and you know, couldn't even do like the very first level. Um, but maybe if, if you, you go back and do finish the whole thing, you'll, you'll be kind of more uh, prepared for the new content by the time you make it to the end. Because it originally dropped, you know, like what months years later whatever however much longer it was and mm-hmm. i kind of had that dlc problem of like being even harder than the last stuff uh from the final part of the game so if you're not if you're not still like in it i i find it really hard which uh if any of you watch any uh speed runs specifically celeste speed runs are just amazing to behold because, you know, their speed run length, they're like 30 minutes, and it feels uh, some kind of special to see a person uh, breeze through a game that you struggled for, like, months to beat, only to, like, complete it in 30 minutes because, like, oh, yeah, I know how to perfect this pathing. And it's like, oh, cool. And <laughs> they have infinite inertia <laughs> going from screen to screen. 
uh, it's really cool to behold. And uh, I try to integrate some of those speedrunning tricks when and where I can, but uh, I'm still not that good at the game. It's like disgustingly casual how like when they're talking about it too, they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. if you just like jump at this exact point and land right here on this mm-hmm. one, you know, pixel, you'll be good. You yeah. Know. Wave dashing is easy actually. So, uh, and then I finished ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, man. Uh, that's a good video game. Probably not my game of the year though. Cause, uh, the Iki Island stuff is not as interesting as the main story in my opinion. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, it, the Iki Island stuff does like some of my least favorite game stuff, which is like the, you've been poisoned and now you've got hallucinations or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now it's time for the video game to look ambiguous instead of this really great, like this epic battle, this conflict, you, you versus the ghost versus blank. Uh, yeah. That's spoiler free for you, but yeah, the ending of Ghosts, the ending of that story was amazing to me. Like, the final moment happens, and then it just, like, goes to credits. I think that's such a cool mic drop, and, like, yeah. 100% the way to end this game. And uh, I hope to see more of Jin Sakai in the future. I hope they... Me too. I thought Jin was such a such a great character. I know some people um, didn't like him as much or thought he was kind of bland, but I thought his, you know sort of composed stoicism really fit the character that he was, you know, he's a samurai. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed the moments where, uh, kind of he would crack a joke or, or get a little comfortable with certain characters. And oh, he, yeah. he did have some character that would peek through that. I thought made him a really, you know, interesting and, and, uh, kind of a guy that you want to see more of for sure. Yeah. All of the stuff between him and Yuna is gold and, mm-hmm. uh, it's, what I love about the PS5 version is I look forward to like going back to all the question marks on the map and like finishing them out and liberating the islands is a ton of fun. Um, I've been focusing on other games, but it's so nice to know that I can come back to uh, Tsushima whenever and still have uh, more game to play. Um, I, I can see how that was an easy platinum for you to uh, seek out Michael. Oh yeah. Um, they, uh, they're very. Uh, well, they didn't have any of the really annoying trophies like kill ten million Mongols or something. Yeah, um, you know, it's all like just do this thing or just finish mm-hmm. this thing. And uh, the fast travel system they have in there, you can fast travel to almost any point on the map that is like a discovered point. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you get there in like less than one second. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. even even when your next collectible or next question mark is like oh I've cleared this side of the map and now it's on that side of the map Boom. you'll be there instantly I'm there. Um, as far as che- checking off like the checklist so howdy ho gamerinos thanks for checking us out at the hardcore gamers show our show for gamers made by gamers You can support us by following the show, sharing with a friend, giving us a review, and remember, you can be a part of the show by writing to hgzgameclub at gmail.com with questions, comments, Game of the Month suggestions, or anything to make the show better. Uh, Right now, I'm taking horror movie recommendations, so please uh, torture me with your bad movie takes. Alrighty. 
Uh, we're going to give a little spoiler warning right up top for the 2019 game control. We may get into the finale of the game, or we may not. Gotta say, uh, when we get to the finale, I have some thoughts and about the future of control. Uh, but this is The Game by Remedy Entertainment, published by 505 Games Control. Uh, it was released in August 27th of 2019 with the Ultimate Edition for uh, PS5 and Series X, Series S, uh, whatever. The version with all the DLC, Game of the Year Edition, coming out February 2nd, 2021. Really stumbled through all of that. But honestly, like, I see Ultimate Editions coming out and, like, you know it's just the Game of the Year Edition, right? Like, oh, yeah. Vince, does that mean that this game... Um... Is is it possible to be Game of the Year 2021? I think so. It shares a lot of uh, characteristics with some of the games released in 2021. We had a nice discussion about that on the Hardcore Gamers Discord. Uh, you can join too. Uh, please reach out, or maybe we'll maybe I'll include the link to the Discord in the episode description. Hmm. Maybe see what that does. Anyway, uh, let's talk about it. Uh, Control is a third-person character action game slash god simulator uh, slash, uh, I don't know, Nathan, how would you describe this game? How does it feel to you? The, like, next step for, like, the Infamous series, essentially. Wow. I don't know. I, yeah. This is the closest thing besides, like, Spider-Man that I've felt to, like, being a superhero in a video game, I guess. Yeah, it's it's another good original kind of superhero, I think. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I like always want to be like, oh yeah, you play a psychic, but like that's not quite it. You just have these powers. You touch your uh, super loaded objects of power, uh, or oops, and um, <laughs> you get a sweet new ability like levitating or controlling someone's mind or creating a shield out of rubble around you and then shooting that shield at a person. You know, normal superhero stuff. Uh, Control was developed by Remedy Entertainment after their full motion video and heavy spectacle-laden game Quantum Break, starring the X-Men's Iceman, Jack Joyce. Uh, I always think about this because that game uh, was also a TV show on sci-fi for a little bit. They had a TV show like come out in tandem with their video game, and they were sort of companion pieces. And uh, I see a lot of that DNA in Control. This game is filled with a bunch of full motion video stuff, as well as great like 3D rendered cutscenes. But Michael, did you feel like sort of strange seeing all of this full motion video in a video game, or did it fit right at home? Um, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's just a really beautiful thing because, uh, Remedy has been putting full motion video in their games since Max Payne. Uh, and so seeing it pop up in their newest release, um, you know, wasn't surprising for me, but I think, uh, with the game they've made, uh, since they've decided to make this sort of surreal type experience it fits almost all the all the more better um where there is a little bit of a weird disconnect where you get to see the full motion video and uh there's the one character in this in the 
case of control that you never meet in game, I think, right? Um, <laughs> he's always this full motion, like real person. And that kind of adds, kind of adds to that layer of surreal and like, what is going on here? Um, so I think that's a lot of fun. And I think Remedy found a really cool way to keep their DNA, you know, alive in this game. Yeah, I think it's so interesting how they have these like kind of mixed media uh, bits in the game. There are collectible videos you can find for the Threshold Kids, which is just like uh, almost like a Muppets ripoff, like kind of a sock puppet show. Um, but if it was directed by like uh, the showrunners at Adult Swim or something, like I gotta say, uh, Remedy has a good good touch with the uncanny valley and controls kind of the game to like have these like spooky feelings around it i don't really know how better to describe it than like it just makes me so uneasy most of the time i'm playing it it's very twin peaksy right there's something like not quite right and Mm -hmm. At times, you're just kind of wondering what's like real or not, you know, or not not the whole like, oh, it was all a dream, but more just like unsettling, I suppose yeah. is the best way to put it. And just a lot of those sequences when you go into a new level and it shows like the room, um, but it's a very like slow moving, like kind of picture and you see some of the bodies floating and like yeah. some of the, the murmuring. And it's very atmospheric, right? And just... I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint an exact emotion you have when you're playing the game outside of like yeah. the thrill of combat, right? It's uh, it's surreal. You know, they Remedy has a really good eye for it. I in this case, it's a really great showpiece where, um, like the first time they talk about the hotline, uh, you know, you get like a shot of the hotline room, and it's like above and at an angle or whatever and then it's like a close-up of the phone or whatever and you don't even know what this is or where it is yet um they they just are setting this atmosphere and setting this stick up uh it's well done Mm -hmm. yeah uh the phone the rotary phone with no actual numbers on it uh it only receives calls how terrifying how incredibly spooky uh, yeah, the game nails atmosphere. And uh, talking a little bit more about the place it takes place in, uh, it takes place in the oldest house, uh, the Federal Bureau of Control. Um, I'm not sure what the exact canon is on it, but I think it just kind of appeared there. I think they know from the foundation that it is almost like a liminal point between uh earth or what we see as reality in a sort of next realm next dimension uh which is explored a little bit more in the dlc but uh i didn't finish the foundation dlc and i didn't get into awe we'll talk about that later um (laughs) uh nathan did you have a favorite sector in the oldest house did you have a favorite kind of locale in this game just for like the visual look i liked the research area just with how the lighting bounced off the plants and the like some of the walls and everything i thought and like it's it's a giant staircase right that just like Mm -hmm. goes all the way down you can kind of peer down it and see like some of the enemies pop up um it's really fun for combat because it's big wide open and you're not constrained to like a hallway and trying to dodge every single thing so 
yeah, just visually and, uh, and gameplay wise, I really enjoyed that area. And then later when you dive down to the mold area, it's kind of a really cool, uh, what flora esque like landscape. Mm -hmm. It is the forest level of the game. Technically, um, even though it is like the grossest forest level in the world. Um, yeah, I was kind of jumping onto that environments discussion. I think uh, they, they do do a decent job of um, of giving you kind of different varied environments, like the mold area. You know, even though most uh, everywhere in the oldest house has that, you know, very brutalistic architecture, uh, you know, very square. Um, they do make an effort to vary up some of those areas and um, like central research being, you know, so vertical, you know, that is a, is another interesting way to kind of make it distinct. Um, mm -hmm. I, I probably was going to say that that central research area is my favorite area um, of the main few that you go to again, uh, kind of because of that verticality and that cool staircase that uh, takes you all the way from the top to the bottom. Um, the only other place I would say that I enjoyed more, and it's it's kind of its own whole set piece section, is the astral maze that you get to later in the game. Oh yes, um, that section in that environment is just uh, super like mind bending and awesome. Um, mm -hmm. Love to see it. The astral maze is a huge set piece. Mm -hmm. Just like to piggyback off that, just like some of the secret areas you find this in these, uh, this game is like crazy too. Central research, I didn't find this out till later. There's an entire room where it's like kind of like an audio booth, right? And you go in and like there's a chair in the middle and like they said, oh, press the button. And they're like, you're expecting like a monster to pop out. And all it does is play this entire like track that was made for this game. And you're just sitting there just listening to the music. I was like, oh, okay, that was neat. It's very chill. There's a ton of places to just kind of hang out in control, which is sort of funny because uh, when you're in combat, it feels so raucous and loud and like frantic. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I think Jesse is kind of like pretty squishy as a uh, protagonist. Like getting hit a few times uh, is enough to really like down you for good. And uh, if you're not careful, you can really like lose um <laughs> lose a lot of time or lose a lot of like progression um yeah my first first time playing it through because this is my second time now but i thought the game was really pretty hard mm -hmm. uh my first playthrough for sure and um I, I don't know if they changed anything or if it really is just like knowing what you're doing makes a huge difference because this time through i thought it was almost too easy at points um I was like, dang, I'm just destroying these guys. Uh, I, I think, you know, most of that probably is the knowledge thing. But yeah, I, I thought it was pretty hard my, my first time through for sure. You think mm -hmm. uh, technical pro um, specs also might have done that? Because you are playing this on PS5 versus before you played on your PS4, correct? Yeah, that is right. And uh, I, I would say only maybe because, you know... Um, it it chugged in like a few moments on PS4, but I I wouldn't blame that for my being bad originally. Um, but I would also probably uh, think that I just specced the spec into the skills uh, that I did choose like even better. 
Mm -hmm. uh, because my first time through, you know, I was probably like, oh, let's let's get a few from this side to check out what those abilities do. And let's get a few from this side just to check out what those abilities do. But this time through, I was like, I'm going to put all my points into making uh, the telekinesis throw stronger. Oh, yes, me too. Yep, Rush launch. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to put all my points into getting just more energy. So mm -hmm. pretty much every fight was just like rip a hunk of wall, throw it at dudes until they're all dead. <laughs> Ooh, can we talk really quick about the sound design in this game and what it sounds like to like pull something at yourself with launch? Ooh. Yeah, they've got uh, that really, really, whistle. really great choice. Yeah, for the sound of bringing the item close to you, whoop, busting it out. Fantastic. It's, it's so great. There's so many, like, really wonderful sound cues in this game, including the, like, charge for a pierce shot. Uh, it almost sounds like sliding, like, two pieces of, like, glass against one another and, like, creating this kind of, like, knife sharpening sound with it. Uh, and then there's just picking up little bits of construct on the ground, which is the game's currency, like little power pellet rocks. I don't know how else to describe it. It sounds like what it must be to pick up like an actual Pac-Man pellet instead of like what it sounds like in Pac-Man. This game's like meant to be played with headphones, I think, because I don't know if it takes advantage of 3D audio or anything, but like just like walking through some of the areas and like hearing like the creepy like murmuring from all of the like his people was just like unsettling like in general mm -hmm. yeah the hiss make a wonderful distorted whisper like anytime you're near um and with headphones on it yeah like you said nathan it just amplifies the effect even more did uh you two play in performance mode or uh uh resolution mode or graphics mode whatever they call it um because I was playing the PS5 version of Control Ultimate Edition, and I had it on, like, the ray tracing mode. I tried the performance mode for a bit, and it was fun, but it looked a little goofy. So I went with the more cinematic frame rate and the higher uh, resolution and ray tracing. And I gotta say, it didn't really, like, affect my gameplay all that much. It really looked very smooth and ran very smooth too yeah well i'm i'm glad to hear that for you i'm glad that you had a good experience uh in 30 frames uh <laughs> i had to play in performance 60 mode. fps guy Dude. all through and through <laughs> i i had a, i had on resolution mode for a little bit towards the beginning but uh man i can do it on some games there are some games i for sure keep it on resolution because i do like know taking full advantage and seeing the most beautiful beautiful that i can see but for a game like this like the combat i felt was pretty quick and i liked how good it was in 60 frames i had to keep it in performance mode i mean i can respect it but <laughs> i just how how do you know that the light bouncing off the floor is real ray tracing if you don't turn it on tra ray tracing mode? <laughs> oh, man i don't know for sure but you just gotta make your choice and live with it I guess so. It, I mean, it, it did feel like very smooth, but it made me feel like I was driving in like the 200cc like Mario Kart races. I felt like I was going very fast. And so I was like <laughs> very distorted there for a second. I, I also did the ray tracing mode. Um, 
and I, I tend to agree with you, Michael, about the like if I can get sixty frames, I usually opt for that because like when you do go back to thirty frames, especially if it's locked, it takes your eyes a minute to adjust because you're like, okay, this yeah. character I don't know if this character's like moving super slow or if it's the motion blur or whatever, but like this feels weird, I guess. I don't know. And it like made me kind of nauseous like when I was first playing it but this is my first game i've played with uh ray tracing besides spider-man so and for something like this where lighting plays such an integral part into like the story and atmosphere i had i like just had to try it and yeah i like vince said it works really well well and to remedy's credit like this game is so visually like satisfying and impressive oh yeah this game looked great on a PS4 Pro. And like, I think one thing that we haven't even mentioned is when you kill a hiss and they burst into rainbow steam, that chromatic aberration is so, oh, chef's kiss. So beautiful. That's great. Yeah. Incredible particle effects. Like I have never seen an enemy explode, explode more beautifully. <laughs> I am ready now to posit uh, my uh, my opinion. Since this is my game club episode, I am allowed one opinion. Um, this game is the, the timestamp. Num- yep. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This game is the number one game of 2019. Um, I know a lot of people said Sekiro, but uh, they were lying because uh, they didn't have fun playing Sekiro because it was too hard. <laughs> um, and no one finished the game because it was too hard, uh, and control is not as hard, so <laughs> it was a much more fun game for me to play. <laughs> Dude, that's a good conversation to have, because I, right before this episode, pulled up the game or nominees for that year, and like to, like, to an effect, this year was stacked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was Control, Resident Evil 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Sekiro, Death Stranding, and The Outer Worlds. I don't know why Outer Worlds is in there, but it is. Uh, <laughs> I um, think they but, meant Outer Wilds. Yeah, yeah. I, I Weird typo. Um, but yeah, I... Yeah, I don't know. That's a hard year. I, I don't know yeah. if I... If I heard... When I first heard about this game, I heard that it chugged. Like, and I think that might have like been to its detriment when it came out. So unless yeah. you had like a super high-end PC like that you could play us on some of the like more like graphical like aspects of it might have detract from the experience which does happen with video games you know mm-hmm. so yeah. if this ultimate edition had been out then would it have like beaten Sekiro maybe but i definitely hard, hard to say yeah i mean it was IGN's game of the year so who knows mm-hmm. yeah and yeah it's it's hard for me to even comment on because like you said Nathan it was hard man i didn't even beat that game so but, <laughs> One one thing that struck me, I was thinking a little bit about this too. Is like, damn, this as I'm playing Control this month, I was like, this game is like really good. Like, it's it's very well put together and cohesive, and uh, that's kind of a key thing I look for when I'm thinking of like games that are very very high quality in terms of what I might think would actually be like a game of the year type of experience. You know, it has to come together like as an experience as a whole. I think that's something uh, that Control does very well. It's like this whole experience comes together very well um, and it's very impressive. But 
uh, Death Stranding was my game of the year 2019 anyway, so. Sorry. Wow. Uh, uh, Michael, uh, you cut out there, but we'll move on. Um, <laughs> uh, no, to your point about the game kind of like being this sort of focused package, it was uh, created to be a little more narrowly focused narratively than uh, Quantum Break. Uh, they always kind of uh, wanted to uh, continue the remedy trend of uh, having a uh, story be a part of the gameplay where you can find files and uh, audio logs and videos to kind of like uh, build the world around you. Um, and this game is full of them and they're incredibly interesting to read uh, and experience for a few reasons. One of them being that most uh, written documents are censored. So like really a full page like file or like text log in another video game that takes you like two minutes to read now only takes you 30 seconds because you're only reading like half of the words and like now your mind is left to explore what those missing words are. And it really got me into the headspace of the game. And like, I really struggle with audio logs. I really struggle with like text files. It's hard for me to be like told like, okay, like the story is what you need to play through to like beat the game. But like the real story exists in you not playing the thing that helps you beat the game. It's like, well, then I guess it's going to get like 20% of my attention then because like, what I want to do is experience the story in the gameplay, right? Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think um, that was something that we experienced sort of recently in titles like uh, Deathloop and uh, and Dishonored 2. You know, we played mm. those both, both recently. And I think a big part of their stories and kind of things that you need to pick up were... Uh, I mean, not like locked behind, like they're hard to get to, but locked behind in that probably not everybody's going to read all this stuff. Yeah. Locked behind like notes and like things that you would pick up and read. Mm -hmm. You need to stop playing the game to read this thing, to watch this thing, to listen to this thing. And Control does this too, but it's like paced better. Well, it, it certainly helps when it's like, I don't know, the whole game is sort of built on this mystery, right? So finding the notes and stuff is less so about like here's some random information about the guy that lives here or whatever. And it's more like, oh, what is this note referring to? And uh is this helping me, you know, get more information on what even is the the Federal Bureau of Control? Um because you know Jesse comes in and becomes the director pretty quickly. Uh, but another thing that they don't do is like give you all of the answers right away just because you're the head honcho or whatever, you know, there's a lot of stuff that Jesse still has questions about and we still have a lot of questions about. Um, and there's, there's cool stuff to find like Nathan, um, you know, had found the one note that is sort of referencing the uh, Alan Wake material and the, uh, the bright, Bright Lake or Bright Falls AWE incident. Um, and that's uh, that's like a cool note to find in the game. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to the extended Remedy universe. I don't know. Remedy CU? <laughs> All right, that's it. Um, I haven't played Alan Wake, so I have nothing to add to this conversation. Please, someone play Alan Wake. Play Alan Wake. It's good. It's yeah. very good. It's 
Yeah, probably one of the be- better g- ghost stories out there in video games. Oh, wait, so you both have played Alan Wake? I have. Yeah. Wow, I'm the only one who hasn't. I gotta pick up this remaster. Third. <laughs> so then... Dude, Alan Wake's good, and I think it's it's really fun playing Control and seeing some of those kind of, like, uh, references, because I don't, like, give anything away but you know some supernaturally type stuff happens in that game control is like a game that sort of has the answers about like what is this sort of supernatural stuff so i think the idea is is that at the end of the alan wake expansion or the awe uh dlc for control um there's a, a little tease about something to come, maybe sort of a crossover. Um, Nathan, what would you hope to see from a Control and Alan Wake crossover? Do you want to play as one character more than another? Do you want to play as both? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I'd love to see more Jesse, but I really also like, you know, seeing the remaster come out, I've forgotten how much I really enjoyed Alan Wake. So, it' nice to either have them both play an integral role in like the next game or whatever that entails, or you know, let's just mash them together into a revenge story and have them kill one of each other. That'd be kind of fun too. Ooh, Alan versus Jesse, uh, like Kong versus Godzilla. I love it. But wait, like Jesse would win, right? She can pick stuff up off the ground and throw it. But if Alan's at his typewriter, whatever he writes becomes reality. He's got a flashlight, man. He's got a flashlight. <laughs> Does wow. he have batteries? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it seems like Alan Wake is just a ripoff of the Will Ferrell movie Stranger Than Fiction. Don't um, you dare. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll move on uh, because I want to know uh, just really quickly uh, what your guys' favorite ability was and if you found a favorite outfit or if you later had a favorite outfit. Favorite ability was definitely a toss between the uh, oh what the throwing ability and levitate. Like Ooh. just because as soon as you unlock levitate, you can literally go anywhere in the game that's like the like key to unlocking all like the mystery areas or like going to places you couldn't before mm-hmm. um or beating bosses <laughs> yeah exactly um favorite outfit give me that yellow suit lucky lucky yeah um i really like uh the standard telekinesis throw i mean i think they made it so satisfying and fun to play with um, but I actually really like the shield ability once you get the upgrade uh, where when you're done with the shield, she pushes out the remaining debris and turn it into like an, an offensive attack as well. That That is really cool. And I think that was like one ability that my first time through, I didn't pick up immediately. That was something that kind of make combat more difficult is getting caught out in the open and not having your shield ability but once you've got that ability you can you know move around with some protection so that's uh that's really nice and uh that outfit that golden suit baby baby. (laughs) i I will say that i really like the director suit as well it has a couple of nice details like different hairstyle um 
and uh, Jesse's wearing like a pin in her hair that has the upside down triangle, like holding it together in the back. That's a really nice detail, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, you unlock that outfit by beating the game, so yeah. you don't really get to enjoy it uh, much. No, not really. Um, yeah, it was always the golden suit for me. Uh, when I first played the game, uh, I stumbled into the luck um, division and just kind of like messed around in there for a little bit. I was reading notes. I was like looking at stuff and I just like, you know, without a guide, figured out how to get that golden suit. And I I felt so powerful and I felt so like good, like, all right, this game showed me a puzzle without telling me it was a puzzle and it rewarded me just for like figuring out the puzzle and the reward is so so good and so so funny it is just like it's a golden suit for jesse as you run around uh killing zombies and like fighting big plants and stuff but like at the same time you're wearing a golden like blazer and pant it's hilarious it's wonderful uh that's that's something that i think the game does well but also something that i almost wonder if there could be like a little more direction or a little more like even hint or clue that you can discover some of these things because like that luck division um mm -hmm. and a few other side quests they don't really give you um, a clue that you can't even find this stuff until maybe stumble upon it later and you're like oh there's like stuff to explore mm -hmm. if you uh throw all the tvs with a uh, fire in them all those little crt tvs if you throw all of them into the uh, garbage incinerator room uh it will give you a mod that i think grants you like fire elemental damage on one of your guns or something it's yeah crazy. <laughs> it's just out there waiting to be found um but this game is so replayable it's so fun to explore that you kind of want to find it even their like weird little like astral realm with the jukebox tokens which i don't know if you guys really mess with that i kind of did on my first playthrough but i wasn't really in it for the mods this time i was just trying to play the game through through the story and uh, get back to Tales of Arise as quickly as I could. Uh, that's a joke. I really enjoyed the launch, and I enjoyed Seas. I like uh, being able to like almost kill one of those rangers or one of those big like grenade launcher dudes, and then be able to uh, change their mind and put them on my side. Really made that final uh, boss fight getting up to uh, Hedron a lot easier for me. Yeah, that's another good, very useful ability. Mm -hmm. Speaking of ability, I'm wondering um, about these objects of power. I've been thinking about them a lot, kind of like uh, tulpas, uh, which are kind of like spirits, ener energies, entities, like paranormal happenings that exist because of like human thought. When we think about something, we give it power. Now, isn't that spooky? Isn't that wild? That's basically what's going on with these objects of power. You got these launch codes that are so dangerous. They're on this giant floppy disk, a medium that we don't even use anymore. Right, you're but, scaring me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but we knew that they had these codes to like enact nuclear war. 
so we gave them power. How crazy is that? Isn't that nuts? I'm, I'm, I'm too scared for this episode. That's right. So look around your room right now and tell me what is the object of power? Can you figure it out? Can you find it? Um, I had uh, a couple of answers for this, actually, because you messaged us ahead of time to think about this. And uh, I think in your message, you said to think about the most powerful slash cursed object. So I, I have two answers. I'll give you the cool answer first, uh, the one that I think would make a cool object of power and then cool ability for you to earn. And that, of course, would be the red toaster from my kitchen. Uh, the red toaster is an object of power, um, and when it is cleansed, it gives Jesse a fireball ability, uh, which does um, it takes slightly less energy to uh, shoot than the um, telekinesis pull, uh, and it does a little bit of damage over time. Um, so that's a nice, cool new effect and ability. Of course, um, you need a new button on the controller since all the buttons currently do something, I believe. Uh, so Remedy already sort of had a plan for how many abilities they wanted. Um, but that's the toaster. And then the most cursed object, of course, in my house is uh, the cat box. And uh, this is um, this one is not an object of power. It's an altered item, uh, which is there are some of the cursed items in the panopticon that aren't objects of power, but are still altered and have some weird effect going on. And similar to the fridge demon that you fight when you cleanse the fridge, uh, attempting to cleanse the uh, cat box, the cursed cat box, uh, results in a boss fight against another, another uh, big demon thing uh, that doesn't appear anywhere else in the game. And uh, instead of an ability, it unlocks the cat suit for Jesse, uh, which, of wow. course, has uh, tails and ears. Cat suit, very controversial in the control community. <laughs> yeah, my uh, so my object would be my bidet. And after <laughs> after, uh, you know, cleaning with your bum with it uh, and cleansing it, you are uh, pure and unaffected by all uncleanliness or poisons for a brief time. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that's not too bad. That's just like a like a full heal from a Pokemon. Exactly. You are oh, pretty good. You are, you are free from the constraints of a uh, uh, <laughs> And then my cursed object would have to be my mailbox key. Um, because it's the only thing attached to this uh, garbage rental complex we are in. And <laughs> when you try to cleanse it, it just thrusts you into a boss battle against my landlord who refuses to fix my sink or our ceiling. And yeah, when you defeat them, you are free from... Uh, Your lease. <laughs> our lease. And uh, yeah, and poor rent control. Amazing. You guys have really taken this answer, uh, this question, and flown with it. Uh, I really only have uh, one thing, and it is entirely cursed. Um, listeners at home, you are unable to see, but I do have a yellow hydro flask that I have put 
uh, minion stickers on, uh, <laughs> and not minion uh, stickers of minions, but rather the uh, Gru denim overall pocket from one of the minions overalls, as well as a single goggled eye that I have put on my yellow hydro flask, so that when I pop the top on this bad boy, it truly just looks like a whole ass minion. Um, this thing is clearly an altered item. Uh, it is clearly an object of power. It does, uh, it does bestow a power on you. You do have to fight 220 minions, um, but it's just that um, those like demon uh, board member, like former boss fight that you did with that big one-eyed looking alien thing. Uh, except it's just like hastily reskinned to look like a minion, and then there are 219 more of them. Uh, and when you beat it, uh, you get a, a little voice patch for Jesse where she talks in minion language. Is extremely cursed. <laughs> she gets the overall outfit. Uh, yes, yes, she does get the minion outfit, which is just a uh, really bad. Um, all of her clothes turn yellow, and then she wears like a pair of overalls and then her skin is like Simpsons yellow and she's got goggles on. Oh my God. Yeah. Community um, get on it. Yeah, please. Hardcore gamer community. I know we've got some <laughs> modders out there. Uh, we should have this ready for you by tonight. Um, <laughs> tonight, whenever this episode comes out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, y'all, uh, I've, had a ton of fun talking about the weird, spooky, uh, very fun uh, gameplay of Control. Does anyone have any uh, final thoughts on the game before we get to our vote for a seal of approval? No. No thoughts. Everyone's head is empty. All we can think about is playing Control again. <laughs> we're just ready for our closing arguments. That's, we're just, yeah. I don't think there's another final point. I just have my closing thoughts, yeah. All right, then uh, let's get to them. Michael, how about you start us off with your vote to enter this game into our game club, Hall of Game, sponsored by Nickelodeon. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give the... Is there any slime? Yeah, it's, it's slime, all around us. <laughs> depending on my vote. Uh, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Uh, Remedy comes out swinging with their newest release looking good on all platforms running well on all platforms and uh just a blast i think from start to finish you know the abilities uh all feel really great you know uh every single one of them can play very smooth um so the whole experience uh from start to finish i thought was pretty fantastic and there's not a lot of other uh titles that are exactly like this um we had a discussion in our Discord, uh, you know, about gameplay similarities between uh, third-person shooters. And while, yes, uh, Control does have, you know, some gameplay similarities, it's so unique in story and setting. Um, and I just loved every second of it. So, yeah, this one gets a thumb, thumbs up for me. Agreed. Uh, and with your thumbs up approval comes slime. Slime on you, Michael. Oh! You got slimed. Happy Halloween. Nathan, what do you say? Oh, man. Um, so this was my first playthrough of it. So I got to enjoy all the improvements with the Ultimate Edition and some of the haptic feedback on the controller and whatnot. 
Uh, yeah, this is a great experience thrown through. I loved every aspect of it from the game, like really fun gameplay and combat to the puzzles to the like story and atmosphere. I was just sucked in. I was, yeah, I, it's one of those games where like people talk about whether or not they would want to live in a world with it. And I would definitely not want to live in Control's world, but <laughs> it's it, it, borderline almost there. <laughs> yeah, it's cool that this world exists. Uh, so, Nathan, is that a is that a thumbs up? This is a thumbs up for me. Excellent. And for you, Nathan, for your thumbs up, you get inverted slime. Uh, uh, does yeah. it get taken out of me? <laughs> yes, you, you get deslimed, and it uh, all falls on Michael again. Oh um, my god! <laughs> double slime. Uh, yeah, y'all. I love this game. It's so good. I do think it's the best game from 2019. I think it's got uh, one of the best stories. Uh, and we barely even talked about like how the story plays out, but I think it's so like secondary to the feeling of being in this game, of exploring the oldest house, of taking on the responsibilities as director of uh, the Federal Bureau of Control. And when you get to some of these high points, you know, the ashtray maze or even like finding Ati when he's on vacation um, to your first time up the Panopticon with levitation. It feels so empowering and so fun. Uh, Control is a huge thumbs up from me. And uh, from my thumb sprouts slime to hit Michael one last time. Oh my God. And uh, that'll do it. That'll induct it's gonna control. Clean up this mess. Yeah, as soon as we're done cleaning, we'll bring control into the Hall of Game uh, alongside such classics as Devil May Cry 5 and uh, Dishonored 2, I think. Um, I'm sure. We have a Google Doc. I just haven't checked it in a little bit. <laughs> got them, you got them both. Nice. Uh, the only two. There have been no others. Anyway... Uh, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the Hardcore Gamer Show, our Game Club episode. Thank you so much for joining, and we will be back next month with our pick for the Game Club pick of November 2021. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Nathan. My name is Vincent Hand. This has been the Hardcore Gamer Show. Gamers out. Gamers out.